Marco Royce. Daniel Marlon! Wonderful! Fantastic from Royce. Jude Bellingham. That's excellent. Jude Bellingham. This is absolutely brilliant. Jude Bellingham! Absolutely magnificent. Rina. Brilliant from the American. Just like that. Graceful. Sally Hurts down for Anthony Modest. Not a bad idea. You know, I, I thought about changing out everything on the intro and doing like a USMNT intro. I did not have enough time. Literally five minutes before we started recording, I uh, I had to take out the chance that I had on there from last week because I completely forgot to do that. So I didn't quite get to it. Uh, but this is the BVB podcast. My name's Jake, joined as always by Carver. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I want to tell you this. Uh, you probably wouldn't have been able to find much content for any sort of entertaining goals or anything for the U.S. It not from anything like, recently. <laughs> just put like really bad excuses from Burr Halter just over that beat <laughs> for the first 30 seconds of just him being like, the players are nervy. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what I'll do. We, I, I might make a fancy, I might have to make a fancy intro for uh, World Cup. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how I'm feeling because I was very excited to, uh, before these games, I was very excited to like do some episodes and cover USMNT. And then I was, remember how hyped I was to wake up Friday morning and, and watch USA. And then man, very quickly did that ruin my day. Just, mm, mm. Yeah, same here. I, I got to work pretty early that day actually. So I could try to watch as much as I could. And I watched pretty much the whole game uh, against Japan. And I mean, this whole window has just completely changed pretty much everyone's attitude towards the world cup for, I mean, that's, of course, U.S. fans. I mean, at the very least, their expectations have changed. Yeah. So, um, I mean, before we jump in, Lowell, uh, what, what's coming up in this episode? Obviously, we are going to recap USMNT, whether we enjoy it or not. <laughs> I watched that second game. I was like, oh, this seems this seems pretty familiar. Like, I feel like I'm watching Dortmund right now. This is pretty great. I mean, not great. It wasn't great, but you know what I mean? It was, it was a familiar game. Um so, so we're going to recap USMNT. We're going to give a quick rundown of our other players on international duty, like their stats. Um, we, I mean, we had a great game with Germany and England, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, we got some Twitter questions, and then I'll get into some injury news and um, just previewing Colin, which we have coming up this weekend. Um, so, But yeah, let's start off. I mean, we, we've kind of already... We talked about it, how it sucked. It was not fun. Um, but I do have to give... Not, I mean, credit, they're a good team, but Japan, I, I don't know if I underestimated them, but I was saying last episode, it's like, man, I wish we were playing some bigger, tougher competition going into this because because all the Nations League games and like England's playing Germany. And it's like, yeah, I wanted some yeah. better competition. Turns out this is who we needed to play. And we still, we, we couldn't get the win either way. It, it didn't take much for us to get incredibly exposed. I mean, you don't you don't need a European team to play against for the U.S. men's national team for uh, anyone to really have their eyes opened and be like, wow, and that what a reality check. And it was very much needed before the World Cup because we would have I mean, we still probably have a good chance of falling flat on our face. But if we didn't hopefully and treat this as a very valuable learning experience. We're definitely going to go and uh, do the same thing again. And you know, Japan's not a bad team. I didn't mm. underestimate them. I mean, they're, they're pretty uh, technically gifted. 
they work as a unit and um, you know, they came out to play and wow, just that first game overall was so uninspiring looking. I mean, you, you'd expect the players actually wanting to go out and prove themselves. And some of that got call-ups that in my opinion, didn't deserve call-ups, you know, you'd expect them to actually take this opportunity and be like, all right, you know what? Greg asked me to come up and try to uh, showcase my skills before the competition. I, you know, I'm not letting this, I'm not letting this position go. This is mine for the taking. And it's the complete opposite of what happened. I mean, if long already didn't showcase why he shouldn't be in the team before this window, holy hell, if he somehow gets a call up to get uh, on that plane, whew, I'm going to lose my shit. Yeah. I mean, this was definitely an opportunity for people to still like stake their claim in the team. And I mean, Burhalter even referenced that. And I mean, we had the debate. It wasn't a debate, but the, the PFOC peppy, uh, thing that was everywhere. And I mean, that's what it's been on everybody's mind, especially us U S fans who watch Bundesliga. Um, but I mean, Burhalter Ber- put it out there. It's like, this is Pepe's chance. He needs to show us what he can do. Um, Maybe we'll get in on this conversation about the strikers because, I mean, none of our strikers really showed much or, or did anything in this window. And I, I think maybe that, that just comes down to how we were playing. Like, we weren't, we couldn't create any chances. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But I, I wanted to run through the lineup um, before we start talking about all of that, um, get real in-depth. Um, so versus Japan, we saw, I'm not going to forget the, the keeper this time, Turner. Matt Turner start. Uh, we had long. Yeah, don't and- forget Matt Turner because he was the <laughs> he was only fantastic. player, I think, out of these two games that actually looked like he was pretty competent and confident in what he was doing. Yeah, he. I think he's one who actually staked his claim. He's like That's what I'm saying, yeah. Like the only one. I think it's his. It's not even his to lose. I think in unless Zach Steffen, I know he's been injured, but if unless he comes out and just has some incredible games or has like four, five, six, I don't know how many games – Middlesbrough is playing. Is it middle yeah, Middlesbrough even, he's playing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but even then, I think it's Chris Wilder, if I'm not wrong, is is the manager there. And he doesn't even fancy Stefan. And he, he was saying he's going to choose the other keeper that's already at Middlesbrough. And I mean, unfortunately, of course, Stefan's had his bad string of injuries. But at some point, you got to take a little bit of accountability for your performances. And he's he's made a, a mess of a lot of different matches, you know, throughout his not only his spells at Man City these past few years, but I mean, even before at Dusseldorf as well. He did look really good, and I don't remember who we were playing, but one of our CONCACAF qualifying games um, where I was kind of, I, I didn't expect, I, I didn't think he should start. And then he, he got the start, ended up having a great game and a lot of saves. I was like, well, that, okay, if he's going to come in and do that, then okay, I, I don't want to doubt Stefan anymore. But just, I mean, looking at how Turner played in this game, and that he is getting a lot more experience. Um, and, I mean, he said just just moving to Arsenal within the last few months, like, he f- feels like he's grown so much, which is is different than, than Stefan, who's kind of been settled at Man City for a while, settled in this routine of not playing. But you see Matt Turner getting his chances, uh, working with a team that's pushing him constantly. So whatever level he was at, that's just going to continue to grow. And he's also been guaranteed the Europa League games um, over the next few weeks. Yeah. So he's, he's going to be cons- playing on a weekly basis leading up the World Cup. So give him that number one jersey. Let him start. Like day, mm-hmm. game one versus Wales, Matt Turner. All, mm-hmm. all in. No, I agree. And then uh, we had, as you said, Aaron Long and Zimmerman were our center back pairings. We had uh, Vines, Sam Vines, left back, mm-hmm. and Dest playing right back. Sam Vines was uh, in for Robinson, who's been out. But I just saw today, we're recording this on 
Wednesday evening. Uh, Robinson was back in training with Fulham today, so that's good to see. Yep. Um, we had Adams, um, kind of CDM, uh, McKinney, and De La Torre uh, also in the middle, and then Ferreira up top with Reyna and Aronson out wide on the wings. Man, some of these – De La Torre was very disappointing. I've, I was very impressed with him in the last window and him kind of getting uh, – uh, you know, his chances in the, in the national team. I thought, you know, he was, the ball just stuck to him like a, uh, like a magnet. And I love the way he was able to drive the ball up the field and everything and get things going, but he was very underwhelming. I mean, again, everyone was pretty much everyone was yeah. very underwhelming in the entire window, but I mean, J- Japan definitely. And I, I want to take it back to, you were mentioning the striker thing and uh, Berholzer was saying we couldn't really get our strikers involved much. It really in any of these two games and it's like bro that's on you <laughs> like we have we have talented wingers and reyna and pulisic alone and i mean you could throw aronson in that mix you could throw way in that mix that's four darn solid wingers and if you can't get your strikers involved ones that aren't bad i, I genuinely do think jesus ferrer is going to be a talent uh the, you know the older he gets and we already know p fox performing at a really high level at the moment and yeah, if they're not be if they're not really getting the you know service quote unquote that they need, that's that comes down to coaching. Yeah, and I mean we I mean, we'll, we're not going to recap both these games in de- like we'll kind of do a full recap like both games together. We don't need to break down each game individually. Um, I just want to give that Japan starting lineup. But I mean, seeing in the second game versus Saudi Arabia, like you can talk all day about how Christian Pulisic is our our, our captain and our our star player, and he I mean he is, but he was just went missing in in the Saudi Arabia game for a good period. Like there was a, a while where he had like no, t- like just wasn't touching the ball. Like I forgot he was on the field and that's not necessarily his fault, but yeah, it's like what, what <laughs> Berhalter has got to do something to, to mm-hmm. get this team clicking. Well, he was saying he, we were missing a lot of starters too against Japan, which that's again another excuse, and I got a handful of other excuses that he had written down that he just said in the past few days. But you know, whatever. If you people want to give him the benefit of the doubt that these players haven't, I guess, played with each other too much, um, and you're missing a lot of players, well, then you got Saudi Arabia coming up should be a win, and you'd expect them to have an actual response after that abysmal performance. But just as uninspiring looking, it was like Saudi Arabia B team. They were missing was, yeah, their captain. They had their their second string goalie who plays in the second division in Saudi Arabia, uh, who mm-hmm. we didn't test at all. Um, they had like, I think maybe it was their captain in the middle. I don't know any of their positions, but they were down a lot of their starters. And looking at and, our lineup, I'm like, who are our starters that you're saying we're missing? Because he's changing everything up so much that I have no idea. I mean, we're gonna get into our. That was one of our Twitter questions. We'll get into our starting lineup a little bit later, but. Who I mean, there's like five names, but still, there's so many, so much of this team is a mystery to me. Like I don't, I can't tell you our full starting eleven and be 100 percent certain with it. He he doesn't know. He doesn't yeah. know his best starting eleven, and that's that's been like the. I mean, not saying fans said it, but that was like the thing behind the hiring or the uh, of uh, Burhalter, however many years back now. Of you know, he's going to build a foundation that we could actually build upon, and he's going to try to build an identity and you know, and have like a core group of players. But he still has no clue. I mean, there's still even more question marks before the window. There are more question marks now than there were before the window. Excuse me. I mean, he he's he seems clueless. I mean, and after this uh, 
Saudi Arabia game, he's saying, quote, it's nervy times. People are worried about being on the roster or not. And if the entire squad is lacking confidence, again, that's on the coach. That's on the system that you're trying to implement if players are not buying into what you're selling. I mean, he finds the excuses and takes little to no accountability for himself every single time. You know, it's always like growing pains for the group, quote unquote. And, you know, they need people. They need, he doesn't need Pepe to score five goals. He just needs him to fit the system. No one's saying Pepe needs to score five goals. And no one's saying he should be fitting your system either because clearly that doesn't work. I mean, if he were to come out and say something like, you know, you know, I made the wrong decisions on things and uh, that played a major role in our performance lately that was unacceptable. And I guarantee we're going to be better at the World Cup. That at least gives you some glimmer of hope. And we know that he's actually learning from his mistakes. But his attitude is just, it's its always just making excuses. Did you see the, the Eric Winalda clip? Uh, maybe. Which one is it again? I'm going to I'm gonna play. I'll plug it in here. Um, and then here, let's see. Hopefully this comes through manager at the at the international level your job is not to teach at all you do not teach anything that is not your job your job is to select the players who are going to make us win and then you have to look at them you have to evaluate them and you have to see what is their skill set how is this puzzle going to look when it hits the field and sometimes it's not what you want it's what the team and the talent of your players dictates. I completely agree with that. I, I, people, I think that's the biggest complaint, arguably, with people that uh, that they have against Berhalter is he's not playing to these players' strengths. He's trying to implement things that the players have either not done or never done before in their career or so little or things that they just don't really know how to do because they're not the kind of player that he wants them to be. And you can't keep trying to fit um, square pieces and circle holes in those instances. Again, you have to uh, take accountability and learn and actually play to your players' strengths. Yeah. And I think hearing that, th- that's one of those, those things where it's like, I'm like aware, but until someone actually put it into the perfect words, it was like, oh, yes, that's... And then it, it becomes so much clearer when you you hear that and then you listen to Greg Berhalter after like every post game, and you hear what he's saying. You're like, yeah, you are completely doing it wrong, dude. Like you can't... Like Pepe, I think Pepe can be great in the future, but he's so young yeah. and he's got a lot to learn. And Berhalter can't just bring him in and, and try to like, like you said, your job isn't to teach people or like really help them grow. If Pepe's not the right fit for the system to be that guy to go in and and get us five goals, I know he said we don't need that, we don't need five goals. Yeah. But if he's not getting there and contributing, you can't just have him for a week and try to teach him to fit this. Or you know what I mean? It's just. Yeah, yeah, and he's and he, if he's not going to be also fitting that system that he's trying to implement, then you should be looking elsewhere. Which everyone's been saying for a long time now that PFOC should be that guy. I mean, his system just flat out it just clearly doesn't work outside of playing against Concacaf nations with the population size of Rhode Island. I mean, and all it takes is 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 just like a half de- not half decent, but like a decent team like Japan to be well organized and well drilled to just rip us apart. I mean, all they had to do was just put the slightest amount of pressure on us, and we're instantly coughing up the ball in the back. And Berhalter has no answer for it. I mean, he's reactive rather than proactive. He doesn't have answers to questions that people are asking at halftime. He has no idea what even at the beginning of the game really what to do half the time either. I mean, we need competent defenders that aren't going to lose the ball, of course. I mean, Aaron Long is not that player. But 
at the same time, a lot of this also comes down to the coaching side of things. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know. I mean, anything, I don't know if there's anything specific about the Japan game. There was that crazy stat. It's like in the, I don't know if it was the first half um, that we lost like possession 54 times. And a lot of that is, is, I mean, Japan was putting so much pressure on us. And then when we have, like, as you said, the center backs who, who can't play at the back and then just giving the ball away or making these bad passes to where, I mean, there's a lot of times where, um, I mean, like Adams and McKinney were losing the ball, but I think it almost came from like the positions they were getting the ball in uh, and them not being the correct option necessarily. Um, and it was just, it was just rough all game. I will point out a positive. I'm going to throw a positive in there, uh, especially for us Dortmund fans. Gio Reyna in the first 45 minutes versus Japan, uh, he had completed nine out of 11 passes at 82%, six, 16 touches, which isn't a ton. Uh, he w- had one cross at 50%, one long ball, one recovery. Um, I thought like in 45 minutes, he had a decent game. I thought he was okay. They had that one, he had one crazy yes. run uh, through the park that I thought was going to be a, a Mexico moment. Wasn't quite that, but. Yeah, he didn't fall flat on his face. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't one of his best games, but um, I mean, again, he's been away for so long too. So I, I don't want to say it's just him that's looking like he's never played with the, the same or the group of players that were on the field with him before because everyone is treating everyone else like they're complete strangers in this group. It's weird. I mean, they, they have no chemistry or uh, togetherness really whatsoever when it comes like the actual playing of, uh, of soccer here. Well, and that's what I think the big difference you saw, I mean, just us versus Japan, like Japan, they were, they knew hundred percent what they were doing. The team worked well together. The team gelled. The team know, knew what to do and how to play together. And then you look at us. We like look, every time they won possession, they would, it would just take maybe one, two passes max to just slice through our lines and have an, and have an open attack. I mean, wide open. And then you, you look at us and we just look completely clueless. Like we're a bunch of individuals playing and it, it's because I mean, our lineups are changing constantly because Greg doesn't know who his best 11 is because he's still trying to figure it out. He's still trying to find the people uh, to be He's still trying to find that starting 11 for the World Cup. Well, guess what? You're out of time. You should have had this figured out a while ago. And now, and so it's like the players are confused on the system and who they're playing with and what to do. And they're not going to, like, they're not gelling. And I even saw, I was also watching, um, I was watching Mounier in Belgium. I think this is the night before um, the, yeah, because they played on last Thursday. And just like watching Belgium, I know Belgium's like top two team in the world. But still, just to see that cohesion, like how, good they were working together and like they just looked like they were a team that plays together constantly and so seeing that compared to us it's just it's just yeah like we're so far off it but this though i guess the one little thing i will say i guess to not even defend the u.s but with belgium i mean it feels like they're playing the same opponent every time and wales and also with their lineups i mean they pretty much are rocking the same starting 11 for like the what seems like the last like seven or eight years now i mean you could just go down the list and it's like yeah, they played in the last tournament or in the tournament for that and so on. Um, but we are interchanging. I mean, our squad is interchanging a lot, of course. And that's just because I think there's a lot of young, growing talent. But also, Burhalter still doesn't really know what to do with any of the players that he's selecting. And half the time, the selections that he make are also very strange and um, make little sense to me. And it's not just our offense, though, either. I mean, both sides of the ball now in this window, we're pretty abysmal. I, I mean, I touched on the defense coughing up the ball a lot, but when we do lose the ball too, we're not 
positional or not uh, defensively sound to actually close down those attacks either. I mean, again, Aaron Long is is just is not it. Of uh, Zimmerman, I, I'd give him the you know the nod to be that guy to be a an instant starter in the World Cup, but it's it obviously cannot be another MLS player like that because they're just not that kind of quality at the moment. It cannot be a player like Aaron Long. I mean, uh, I really don't know how many minutes Brooks is going to get. Now it is uh, now he's at Benfica. I think he just made his debut like uh, right before the window, and it was like maybe two minutes. But if he, they can slowly start to implement him in for the next month or two, or month and a half, excuse me, then I would definitely consider him because he's got a good left foot. He's obviously been a defender at this kind of level for a long time. People say we need, uh, you know, like a leader in, in the field. He's been to World Cups before. Brooks can be that guy. Um, I mean, you can go down the list, though. There's a few, a few other players, too. I mean, I'm a big fan of Carter Vickers. He's been he's played in the Champions League. Uh, he's I think he's like the most accurate passer um, at where was his last club? But I know he's at Celtic now. I think he was at Bournemouth before that, if I'm not wrong. And uh, he, I mean, he's someone who's not scared to complete a five yard pass and he can do that pretty consistently. It seems like. Um, so yeah, you can, again, you can keep going down the list. It's not just by a margin. I mean, those two that I just listed are miles better than long. Yeah. Um, I'll jump into the Saudi Arabia lineup. Is there anything else from Japan specifically that game you want to point out or anything? I mean, no, not really. I, like nothing that I already mentioned already. Yeah. I, I, people have already been uh, complaining about online. Yeah, which I mean, that was part of it. it. Was after Long's game against Japan, seeing him back in starting again against Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia. So we saw Turner goalkeeper again. We had Long and Zimmerman center backs again. Yedlin left back. Dest playing. No, that was switched. Dest. Yeah, it was switched. Looking yeah. at Fop Mob is wrong. Uh, Yedlin right back. Dest left back. Acosta, Adams, and McKinney in the middle. Uh, Reyna up top. Pulisic, both them out wide. And then Pepe got the start. Um, this time over Cal- Sergeant Ferreira. Um, but Kellen Acosta wasn't too convincing either, which it's I go back and forth on him because I know he wasn't in the squad for a long time. Um, after his last spell, or before his last spell, excuse me. But, I mean, he had the least touches in this game as well against Saudi Arabia. And for a midfield player, that's um, that's pretty that's pretty concerning for me. Uh, uh, thankfully, Tyler Adams, I looked pretty decent. I wish, you know, not wish, but he's the kind of player that if you were like 28, 29, that'd be the person that, you know, you could look to as like an actual real leader on the pitch that's, you know, um, being that engine and being that leader that you need for an actual captain. But, yeah, just really uninspiring again. We were creating a little bit, not like shot. Like, we didn't get the, the final. Our, our final pass was in there. We were hitting a lot of those long balls. It was good to see McKinney making a lot of those runs and getting the ball in good positions. Uh, we just couldn't do anything with it after that. But then you also saw, like I said, Pulisic go silent for a while. Um, unfortunately, we saw Gio Reyna go out in the 30th minute. That was kind of weird to see. Um, we don't really have too much news yeah, about people, that. Uh, they're at at halftime on the stream. They said like he just felt some tightness. So as a precautionary, they brought him out again. Mm-hmm. Those, I think those were the words from Burhalter. Do I trust him? I don't know. There was a there was a tweet of a video of him walking off and walking straight to the tunnel and whatever the caption was like. Oh, like he looked pretty upset. He didn't acknowledge or look at Burhalter at all. So I wanted to take it positively and said he's just boycotting boycotting Burhalter. I don't know if that's the case or not, but. 
Yeah, and it sucks too because if it was even just like quote unquote precautionary, I mean, if I'm not wrong, the last time that he came off when he was also with the national team and it being precautionary, that's whatever started to really set off his injuries that we know and love for the last year and a half plus with him. So I really, yeah, I, I hope to God nothing serious with him because uh, he's, he's he can be and kind of already is quickly becoming the next Zagadu of someone who has, shows a lot of promise but just is just hit uh, constantly with injuries and the man just can't catch a break. Don't say that, man. Don't put that curse on him. Um, <laughs> but even, yeah, Reyna or not though, man, I mean, our, our, our offense was just so poor all around. I mean, we, these two games in total, we registered two shots on target, zero in the, in the, yeah. uh, in the first game and only two against a Saudi Arabia B team. And that, if that doesn't get Burhalter shit in his pants and like, putting in the hours to actually learn from his mistakes over this past window. I just, I don't see how we, unless he, you know, can somehow uh, come out and give us some good results in the competition in the actual tournament. There's no way I want to stick with him after this. No, I do. You, do you have someone in mind? Like who? I don't, I, I don't think it has to be someone that is American. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really know. Also know what managers would ever even consider accepting it. So I couldn't say, I have someone off the top of my head right now, personally. Yeah, I mean, right now it seems it's a little tough to look at. I think I mean, there are some that are available, but there's a difference between being available and then actually wanting to take this job to be the American coach. I think closer to World Cup 2026, it's it would be a very intriguing job to a lot of coaches. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that. Especially when you, I mean, you look ahead at, at the experience, like all the guys that are playing now with the experience going into the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, as they're in that older, like more prime athlete age, mid late twenties. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to be, it's going to, that will be very intriguing. So it's going to see what, it's going to be weird to see what happens in the meantime and see if they lock someone in or, or whatnot. But I, I think it, it could be a very, uh, I don't know, a, a good position for a coach. And I, I think it, it's going to be intriguing to a lot of coaches. So we'll and, see. Is, is this terrible that we're already, I mean, everyone's, everyone's here. This is where we're at. It's it's so sad that <laughs> it's been eight years since we played in the World Cup, and right before when we should be hyped and excited and really pumped for our team, we're just like, it's sad. It is it is sad, and you know, going back eight years uh, when we had Klinsman last in the World Cup, I know he wasn't the most brilliant tactician, but can someone tell me what we've improved upon in our coaching staff uh, since him or since he left and since we got rid of him? I mean, yes. Klinsman said, oh, "Go ahead." Like around the like behind the back passes. Yeah, <laughs> the Berhalter. <laughs> that's pretty funny. And that's it. And that uh, is it. Yeah, that is that is kind of it. Um, I mean, Klinsman said time and time again when he was our coach that the U.S. is not going to progress until we actually put some serious thought into how we running until how we run our. Uh, our, our system of soccer in this country. And, it, you know, it's completely yeah. backwards. Somehow yeah. soccer in the United States is an elitist sport. It's beyond me. I mean, I mean, you can get into just hours of how insanely backwards everything is and just how kids develop in, in general that have, like, really good talent. It, okay, it is the very early stages. I mean, like, within the last year or two. But that is changing. 
well, a little bit say, with yeah, MLS yeah. and academies. And specifically, we can show some love to our hometown, St. Louis, St. Louis City SC. And uh, if you've ever listened to an interview with Lutz, um, who was our sporting director previously at Hoffenheim, and he's played everywhere, um, that that's what he's pushing for and opening up this sport to literally everybody. And, I mean, that's what MLS is doing is, like, getting rid of the the pay-to-play. Like, if you are going to be a part of the academy – it's just it just matters if you can make the team, um, and 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 St. Louis specifically is hosting. Um, I, I don't know how other cities. I'm sure they're doing some similar stuff, but St. Louis specifically is hosting little camps that are open to that start really young. Yeah, I work at one of those camps. They're they're free. They're free for everyone to play at too. So I mean, kids are getting out there as early as five and six years old, and you know you get some you get a lot of individual attention. I like to think I give every kid a lot of individual attention from you know, kids that have played their whole lives or kids that just touched the ball for the first time. Um, but either way, you're giving them that, that opportunity. And and it has it has absolutely changed a lot, but it's just we have a lot more to go still before we can really start to compete with a lot of these other bigger countries because yeah. things are still really backwards um, for the most part. But yes, it is changing. And But that, that's not going to change the performance at this World Cup. <laughs> no, no, no. That's like, and, this is a good 15 years. <laughs> yeah. But we need and to get I, that so, solid establishment to really change everything. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. going to take some while. Also, you should have stopped me way sooner because yeah, you're the coach. <laughs> I was no, you're just good. rambling. You're, you're, you're good, you're good. And, and, and it has absolutely improved. But I'm saying like the coaching side of things when it comes to the men's national team, what has yeah. improved? Nothing, nothing. Uh, There is something, an interesting tweet I saw too that I I haven't really thought about this too much because I always just watch the U.S. coverage and the terrible sideline reporters and I'm just like, oh, this is so cringe. Um, But someone pointed out on Twitter, it's like, man, we need, the U.S. really needs like what they have in Europe, like that kind of media who just kind of like ask the hard questions and Mm. presses hard um, because Greg Berhalter is just sitting back and like cracking jokes and like, oh yeah, like get away. He, he's getting away with not answering any questions really. I, when that that shit isn't gonna fly in Europe, like because yeah, they're should. knowledgeable, they actually know what to ask. They they can point to something specific that happened on the field. But like we're just not. Again, that's our our country's problem. But like we're not there yet. And most of these sideline sportscasters. It, it, well, it also it also is a lot of yes men too around the U.S. Soccer Federation as well. I mean, that's how Burhalter got the job is just through connections and not because of his knowledge of tactics or the game in general or anything like that. And I, I wish I had like the full quote on me, but you're absolutely right in the sense that I mean, just this last press conference after Saudi Arabia, he was saying, you know, now that we've watched these two games, we sat back and we noticed a lot of things. And then the person that asked the question in the, in the press goes, what things? And he goes, things. Yeah. And it's like, brilliant, Greg, brilliant. You realize you just got smacked by two countries in a row, right? Like <laughs> both that we should be expecting to compete with at the very minimum. And you got smacked by both. Yeah. With the quote unquote golden generation. Like, are you serious right now? <laughs> um, any, any positives, I guess I could think of from the Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I mean, Scally looked pretty decent. He looked like he actually gave a shit at the very least. Um, he was awesome. I mean, right off the bat, he had that really cool. I mean, really great run. Um, I mean, that was that that was the big highlight that that stuck out. Um, but I mean, that was cool to see him. Like, he's a guy who hasn't got a lot of chances. And we've, yeah, I think we've both been saying like I, I've been texting my my younger brother a lot about him. Like every time I watch Munching Glad Munching Gladback, like, dude, this guy's a baller. Let him let him let him loose. And he he showed that he can. Do some stuff. He he showed a lot more than anyone else was doing the, those first like five minutes he jumped on. So. At, at the very least, again, he looked like he actually cared. 
and you know he, he looks like a, a guy who was playing for a spot and not mm-hmm. everyone else did mm-hmm. which is crazy because again for halter that's why he chose a lot of these people because I, I imagine maybe he thinks like some of them aren't getting those chances and they just pissed on that opportunity but i mean i, I, w- I would put scally on the plane personally yeah. Do we want to go into our starting 11 before we transition away from the U.S.? Yeah, let's do that. So we had, I guess this is like pre-jumping the uh, Twitter questions, but we had one here from Andre Swan saying, uh, the friendlies for the national team wasn't too good, but who would be your starting 11 for the World Cup? And then he also asked, for Dortmund, do you push Ozchan to be back for Cologne or don't risk it to make sure he's ready for the games ahead? He said, no, I, th- I, get, I think you got to look at the wording here because he said, what would be your starting 11 as opposed to what would be Burhalter starting 11? You know, because Burhalter starting 11 is completely different. For me, I'm changing mine. <laughs> I'm, going, uh, I'm going Turner and goal, Dest, Zimmerman, and Robinson locked in for three of the back four. And then for that other center back spot, I'm, right now I'm going uh, Carter Vickers. I think, again, I already mentioned that he's actually a pretty competent defender. He has shown in a handful of different leagues now and very competitive leagues, mind you, that he is decent on the ball and he can actually complete uh, complete these passes at a very consistent rate. Um, but if, if, if Carter Vicker picks up a knock or something or is suddenly his form dips, you still have some other options in you know, Chris Richards uh, if Brooks starts to get more time. Um, but yeah, I'm going with Carter Vickers. And then, if I didn't already mention, yeah, Robinson. And then the mid three... I'd probably go with Adams, McKenney, and then Reyna in the hole for the attacking mid. And then up top for the front three, Pooley, Wea, and P-Fox. You said Adams, McKinney, and Reyna instead of yeah. over Musa? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man, I forgot about Wea. Shoot. I know. Shoot. It's, okay. I, I'm hoping, <laughs> um, I'm imagining that uh, Musa will be fit because we uh, very desperately need him too. And I, I struggled between, you know, McKenny and Musa because I think uh, either of them would be great but I, I also I don't know I put I put Reyna in the hole because I think he links up those attacks so well and mm-hmm. if you put him on like you know either wing which he, he could definitely play at but I think that all you know that sacrifices uh, a slot for Wea and Puli and both of those you know kind of seem undroppable yeah all right mine is I'm changing up the system forget the 4-3-3 Got you. This, this is what's been wrong. Um, I'm going four two three one. Turner, keeper. Uh, then I had Zimmerman and Richards. Although Richards hasn't been playing much, but that's who I'm putting. Um, I, I, Dest, definitely, I definitely call up Richards. He's on the plane yeah. for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, Des right back. Robinson left back. Two holding Adams and McKinney, and then I have Pulisic, Reyna. And Aronson. To be fair, I forgot about Wea till like two minutes ago. I I really love Aronson too. I struggle between Wea and Aronson. I mean, both of them bring so many good qualities to this team. But I'm all, I'm almost wondering, do I use Aronson as a super sub? You know, that's true too. Um, and then Pfock up top or Sergeant. I I'm really torn. I but Pfock. I'm going Pfock. Yeah, and then Sergeant maybe off the bench if he continues his form. I'm not. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I would call up Pepe at the moment. Like when it comes to those like strikers, I guess I I go Pifak. You know, Jesus isn't a striker, but he still plays in that role mm-hmm. of um, being in the middle there. And then yeah, Sergeant Sergeant can also obviously slide up to the right too. Yeah, I just like. I mean, with the like the four two three one, 
I mean, you lose Musa in that that four three three, but I, I like the Reyna in the ten. Like I ha- like having that ten position, um, and then also you can switch that out with. I mean, Aronson, Reyna, or Pulisic can all play that ten role, um, and I think it just might help us create more. I'm not the coach. I'm not a coach at all, but that's just what I would roll with. I hear you, and I, I don't know. That's just what I would would want to see. But also, Musa has been v- very impressive. Whenever and people were saying he's arguably like the yeah. most like critical player right now. Yeah. But I guess it just also depends who we're playing against too. It'll be interesting. We're gonna move on. I want to. I just want to run through. I'm gonna run through stats uh, for our other in- international players on duty. Uh, Dortmund's players on duties. Obviously, we had Sule, Schlotterbeck, obviously Bellingham and Munier who are also out playing. And I thought they they looked pretty good. So I'll run through those stats. Munier versus Wales in their two to one win. Uh, he had 98% passing complete uh, with 42 passes. He had one pre-assist. Big shout-out to uh, Adam and his his hockey assist that he likes. He had the uh, the pass to the pass that led to their first goal. 61 touches. Uh, he was two out of two with long balls. Had a tackle, an uh, interception, a headed clearance, uh, four recoveries, and won three out of five ground duels. Um, overall, I thought it was a pretty decent game for him. I mean, he was on the ball a lot and had a lot of crosses going in. He was very active in this game, uh, which was just good to see. Exciting for uh, Stortman fans to see him up and running. His second game versus the Netherlands, not as great. He played 45 minutes, uh, 84% passes complete. Um, one out of two long balls. He had 34 touches and one clearance, um, and it was pulled at the half. Um, Sule versus Hungary in Germany's uh, 0-1 loss. Um, 95% pass accuracy with 124 passes complete at 24 passes in the final third. He had 145 touches. Uh, he completed one out of one dribbles, uh, 50% with his long balls, four out of five tackles. One, he was a hundred percent with ground duels, seven out of seven. And he had two blocks. Yeah. Sule is, um, Sule is picking up for he's him. Good. He's good. Yeah. He's thankfully it took him a, a little bit, you know, uh, hopefully gone are the days of him defending like he did against Bremen. But yeah, he's, he's starting like he's, he's looking like he's slowly starting to, you know, take his position and uh, not give it up for national yeah. team or Dortmund. And then I'm going to run into, I'm going to do Bellingham's versus Italy before I do the Germany versus England game. Did you watch that one by chance? Cause it was Which one? nuts. Germany, England. I didn't watch it. I watched the highlights. Oh, unfortunately, I know I, I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't sit. I had it on while I was working. It was crazy. It was good. So Bellingham versus Italy. They also lost 0-1. Um, 93% passing accuracy with 52 passes. He had three passes in the final third. Uh, had one out of one long balls. He had three shots um, and one on target. He created two chances, had two clearances, six recoveries, and was 56% with his ground duels, um, which was five out of nine. So, I mean, that's still like getting after the ball a lot. Um, I mean, he's playing the midfield, but good to see him like going oh, yeah. in for stuff. Uh, I know I know a lot of uh, English fans that I watch on YouTube. I mean, they're saying that Bellingham and Rice have their slots pretty much locked oh, yeah. down to be like the partnership for the next decade. And they're going to they're gonna be nasty. I'll, I'll jump right into his stats versus Germany, which is the final game um, with, with all our players. Uh, three to three draw in a nuts match. He had 91% passes complete with 41. He had one on one long ball. Uh, he created one chance. He won a penalty <laughs> from another Dortmund player. Yep. Uh, he had three shots, one on target, 67 touches. Uh, he won three out of four tackles at 75%, three interceptions, 10 recoveries, 
and eight out of 14 ground duels. So just getting stuck in even more. And 10, re- and, 10 recoveries. Wow. And named man of the match. Rightfully so. Jude Bellingham doing Jude Bellingham things. Carrying the English national team as a teenager. And people are saying he's worth 85 million. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, I mean, should I move on? You want to keep talking about Jude while? <laughs> no, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, we, right, cool. we do it every week. Which rightfully so, but we'll, we'll talk about Slaughterbeck against England. Not not the best game, but I mean he. I mean he hasn't got a lot of chances. Um, so he, I can't say he's young c- coming off of talking about Jude Bellingham. So I can't. Yeah. No excuses. Um, eighty four eighty four percent passing. Uh, completed fifty seven of them. He had twenty percent long balls. One out of five. He had six passes in the final third. Seventy eight touches. Four clearances. Six recoveries, which is good. Uh, ground duels won three out of eight at 38%. Aerial duels two out of three. And he conceded the penalty with a nasty challenge on Jude Bellingham. Yeah. Thankfully, he did not break his ankle, which looked like he almost did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a pretty reckless challenge, which we were talking about just last week yeah. that Schlauterbeck takes these risks and he's gonna become, you know, a risky a risky defender. And I'm not saying he is right now, but I mean he needs to uh really you know, have better judgment on those kind of tackles. You know, be smarter. Yeah. And then uh, last one is Sule versus England. Um, 96% passing with 76 complete. He had five out of six long balls. Um, he had one shot. Did you see that highlight? Did that show up in the highlight I package? Think maybe, maybe. I just might have missed Dude, he it. had this great run down, like, through the middle, got a nice one-two link up, and then had a shot outside 18. It just went wow. wide. Like, it was, it was awesome just seeing him take off. Um, 87 touches. Five passes in the final third. He had three clearances, two interceptions, eight recoveries, and two out of three aerial duels. So pretty pretty good game for him. I mean, that, that game was so entertaining. It was a great watch. So um, oh, yeah. I would say overall pretty great. I mean, pretty pretty good. No one got injured except Geo is still up in the air. Makoko got a knock during training. Oh, did he? he was called. Yeah, yeah, he was, oh, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. called back. I don't even know if he played at all, unfortunately. So the list grows just whenever you think it couldn't get any bigger. That's true. Brant. Uh, did not see the field at all. He came back from camp because he was getting sick, and there were other like two other COVID cases. So he left, uh, but he was back in training. Um, so, and I I just realized I didn't answer the second half to that Twitter question earlier. But they were talking about Ozchan, and he didn't play either. He got called up, but I think he was mm-hmm. sent right back because that's whenever I guess he was starting to feel a little bit more discomfort from the uh, Schalke game. But he, uh, according to Rodortman News, he is still missing. So I doubt he plays against Cologne unless some miracle happens in the next 24 hours, but I can't imagine he's going to be uh, really fully fit, ready to go for Saturday. And yeah, like, and like the, the person Andre who asked the question already said, I mean, do we want to risk it and have him out for even longer? I, I, I personally say no. Yeah, I would hold him. It's not, not worth it. And I mean, who do you think slots in Emmert Chan slots Chan, into that yeah. position? Cause yeah, Dehoud's out for a while. So yeah. So I mean, is there any, predictions you had for cologne this weekend have like three uh, players healthy it's going to be a it's going to be a 4v11 <laughs> i don't know if you heard the news wait what what news no, i was just kidding <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll find out saturday morning we'll yeah, find out hey, who the hell knows maybe <laughs> no i i say i mean i'm always going with my optimism and i'll say a 2-1 win mm. but i want i want makoko to start I want it to happen. I know we're playing cold, and I I just I don't know if Modest is going to turn up. We I mean we talked. I know. We, 
talked about this last week, but I now that we're previewing it, I I would think. Well, I guess if Makoko goes healthy or not, that's the big question. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I don't know if Makoko will be healthy or not either, and I, it's a complete toss up. I really have no idea if Modest is going to go out there and and perform well against his old club, you know, and try to expose the weaknesses that he knows they have, or he could just. But it's go a out matter and, of he can't expose them if we're not giving them the right balls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and again, like I mentioned earlier for Greg, and that's also on Terzic. I mean, that's that's a coaching issue that, you know, you need to figure out. Now, granted, he has a lot less options to work with, um, unlike Greg. I mean, he has a plethora of options on the wings at the moment, but you still need to uh, figure out a plan and, and be proactive here and think about how you can get Modest more involved. Yeah, um, looking at potential lineup too, because we forgot to mention Guerrero, who is also called up to Portugal and then, he had a knock, so he ended up not going either. Um, but as we said, with Brandt was back in training um, today, earlier today, Guerrero was also. So yeah, hopefully he's ready to go to start. Um, I mean, we got Wolf though. Wolf's healthy. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm at least we'll have three fullbacks. It looks like ready to go. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict. I'm gonna be optimistic as well and say a two-one. But that's me not also knowing who's gonna be healthy. In the next, I mean, I imagine we're going to get the full squad in the next 24 to 36 hours or so. I would imagine Geo probably, he definitely wasn't at training, but he's still, I'm, I'm a, assuming he traveled and he's back there, but wasn't ready to train yet. At least we have Mal and Adeyemi though. Both yeah. of them are ready to go. Yep. Which I'm, I'm excited to see. And then, okay, if let's say we we pull out the 1-0 win. I mean, 1-0, okay, there's two ways you can do, look at this. Because 1-0 win on the road isn't bad. Isn't a bad result, but when you no, take that in the context of of all of our other one zero wins, how are you going to feel yeah, for the game if it's? I mean, we're not going to we're not scoring a lot of goals. We're also not conceding a lot. And last year yeah. we conceded just an ungodly amount of goals that should never have really happened. Um, and especially, yeah, like you mentioned already, like it's on it's on the road, it's away, it's against a good opponent, it's a good local opponent, and I, I'd be more than happy to take a one nil away uh, yeah. uh, home. It's, yeah, one nail back home. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to depend on how I think the game plays out. I mean, obviously, I'll be happy with a one zero win, but every time we get a one zero win, I'm like, yeah, but yeah, mm-hmm. like there's always this, uh, but we didn't see anything from Odessa. So I think that's going to really depend on how that plays out. I mean, I'll, I'll be happy regardless. We'll see. We'll see. I, I guess we'll see in the next episode. We'll see how I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we do have one more t- Twitter question from Chaz. Who got to? I got to hang with. Yeah, at the the old Amsterdam. Is that your first time meeting him? No, I met him before, but uh, I it was good. You. Always good hanging with him. Yeah, he asked uh, most likely to pass Royce's team high checks notes two goals, which <laughs> is funny. I, I I did like a double take reading that, and I was like, wait, really? Is that is that? And I was like, I guess that makes sense. We also I just said we haven't been scoring a lot of goals this season. Um, I mean, it has to be Makoko at this point. Well, he Makoko has two, doesn't he? Uh, yes, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, he does. But I mean, still, okay. yeah, if, yeah. if there's, there's going to be anyone else at the moment, I would imagine it's going to be him, unless he gets some injury, you know, and he's going to be out for a while. I throw Brand in there. Brand has a chance. It should be Modest. I mean, with all the games we've been seeing, it should be Modest. Hope maybe maybe Adeyemi or I mean Malin. I can't I can't imagine Modest banging in a bunch the next, you know, game or so. I just can't. I mean, just we have Cologne. Then you have Sevilla and then Bayern. Yeah. Oh, man. 
hope I really hope I'm proven wrong. Modest, prove me wrong. I'd be more than happy to eat that. <laughs> I mean, do it in do it against Cole. Let's this is the game to do it. Just get yeah, a hat really trick. Is. Get those goals up. Let, let's just make it happen. Get Modest. your confidence up too. Get my confidence up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, there are no other Twitter questions, right? No. no? All right. People slacking on the Twitter questions. <laughs> on that note, if you want to uh, follow us on Twitter or Instagram, especially when we're tweeting during games and stuff, is always fun. And post game, uh, you can always throw your questions and thoughts at us, and we'll shout you out on the podcast and read them out. Um, you can. We'll have everything linked in the description of this episode. Also post that, uh, I played that Eric Winalda clip earlier. I'll, I'll link that there too. And then you can also get the link to our website, uh, the bvbpodcast.com, which has everything. So you can listen to us on any of your preferred podcast platforms. Uh, if you haven't already and you're listening, uh, maybe if you're a new listener, you want to click that follow or subscribe button on your podcast uh, app. Make sure you get notified and those downloads as soon as we drop an episode so you see it immediately. And... I'm doing all the plugs. Give us a five-star I review. Gonna, I was good. I was just about to say that if you weren't either, I was like a rare plug from me, throw us that review. It's, I mean, they're still coming. So, you know, very kind of everyone, each and every one of you that has done that so far. Um, yeah. Thank you for staying engaged with the show and we're happy to stay engaged back with you. We'll also take if uh, you, well, if you hated our USMNT coverage, DM us and we'll talk it out. If you loved it, <laughs> Leave that in a review because as we get closer to World Cup, yeah, well, I mean, we're close to World Cup. World <laughs> Cup, when Dortmund's not playing, we're going to do some more USMNT coverage because yeah. we're still going to want to talk soccer. Uh, we figured you might still want to hear people talk about soccer. And if those people are us, fantastic. We'd love it. So Yeah. No, I'm excited to talk more US. I like talking the um, nas- uh, national team, both men and women. So yeah, exciting month coming up. All right, so we got Colin on the weekend. We got Sevilla next Wednesday. And then we'll be back with another episode. But on that note, thanks for hanging out, guys. We'll see you later. See you.